0: Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Lore. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. It's May the 14th and time surely is flying by as summer is well and truly underway. Lots of communions over the weekend. Best of luck to everyone involved and mind those bouncy castles. This morning on The Bottom Line, Brian O'Farrell of Carlo Chamber of Commerce tells us about the trade trip he undertook to Liverpool with six local companies and carlo local enterprise office we'll hear about the new frontiers program being run in the new southeast technological university for people with high potential and scalable business ideas and we'll talk to a fast-growing kakenny company about how this program helped them set their course for success and we'll hear the gripping tale of how a passion for dungeons and dragons led a man from north dakota who made ireland his home into starting a locally based business with global ambitions which is growing really fast. But first, the story of the last number of years has been a succession of challenges. The financial crash, Brexit, Covid and more recently the awful war in Ukraine. Earlier I spoke with Morwenna Cunningham Bureau Chief for Bloomberg in Ireland to get her perspective on this and other important stories. I started by putting it to her that the pressure is ramping up again in relation to the Northern Ireland Protocol and unfortunately Brexit is topping the agenda again.
2: It really is, yes. We are sort of on the edge of our seas, waiting to see what happens with um, Stormont Assembly at the moment. They, they haven't nominated a speaker, so really getting an executive
0: is is quite some way off Mm. And uh, all of this of course relates to the Northern Ireland protocol which the DUP wants to be solved but which is a rather insoluble problem we thought it was solved in the agreement uh, about 18 months ago signed by Boris Johnson on behalf of the British government. Uh, Where do you see it going? Probably an impossible question but what are the issues? (laughs) Well
2: that is a bit of an impossible question. I mean Certainly, it does seem like something may be happening. There's been a lot of uh, rhetoric coming out of uh, the UK um, who also want to see it you know, removed, rewritten. Um, however, it's obviously quite complicated. The EU um, is quite adamant that it will not be getting rid of the protocol.
0: Mm. There has to be a border somewhere, and the compromise was in the Irish Sea, but that's, uh, that's not working for the Northern Ireland uh, version of the DUP.
2: No, I mean, unionists in general have um, always been opposed to that um, because it, you know, puts a barrier, essentially, between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. Um, but then there's also been, you know, complaints about it disrupting trade, which um, the UK government was certainly making that point to. That said, some businesses say that there's advantages of the Northern Irish Protocol. You know, it gives them as part of the UK um, access to the EU customs market, so there's definitely been sort of mixed
0: reviews and I think it, it's a lot of it's about identity as well as being about economics mm. uh, Talk about uh, many English and Great Britain suppliers uh, just ending their relationship with uh, Northern Ireland based companies and a bit of a unexpected boon for Republic of Ireland uh, based companies as well as they've basically replaced the goods and services that were coming from the UK
2: yeah, we have seen that um, a bit. I actually uh, looked at this quite a bit at the end of last year when we thought that the, protocol, um, that, that the UK might um, execute Article 16 then. And there were a lot of companies, particularly, say, manufacturing, who had been seeing um, a boom from the Northern Irish Protocol, but also were trading more with the South uh, because it's just easier to get things from the north of Ireland to the Republic of Ireland you know, than it is going from the UK and so so we've certainly seen, you know, ports seeing increased traffic um, in the Republic and just, you know, trade between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland having increased.
0: Mm. Talk about a trade war and talk about retaliatory action to be taken by the EU if they do actually, the UK government move to suspend the protocol what in your view would that do to uh, EU and uh, UK trade relations?
2: Well, it certainly wouldn't be good. Um, I think it's, it's difficult to know exactly what what the action would be. Um, I know, you know, some countries are going to probably be um, amping up calls for that more than, more than others. Um, certainly, the EU wouldn't wouldn't take it lying down. But I think it depends on exactly what exactly the UK too. But obviously, we have to see this in the context of there being international uh, conflicts already. You know, um, we've got the war in over. Russia and the Ukraine Um, it's it's a very difficult time for Western Europe to be you know fragmenting
0: Mm. And uh, how much is this kind of really a parochial uh, little dispute between a small uh, party in the north of Ireland, the Irish government and the English government in a trading block that, uh, you know, comprises about 300 million people in, on a crowded international agenda. Are people really watching this outside of Ireland and Great Britain?
2: Yes, I think they are, actually, because um, it says a lot about the UK. Uh, people are very interested in that. Uh, the Brexit agreement itself you know, obviously drew a lot of international attention um it affects, you know, trade between the UK and the EU, which is obviously you know a much bigger trading block. Um and I think, you know, it people are also interested in what it means for Ireland, um, and particularly, you know, the the concept of um a united Ireland at some point. And um, you know, that's certainly something that the US is very interested in or and or concerned about, um, you know, given the the history in that region, you know, it, it's certainly not a straightforward Question
0: at all. Mm. A big thing for the Irish economy, and when Brexit was uh, conceived uh, in the earlier to middle teens, um, you know, we were in a different economic environment. Going back to 2010, Ireland was greatly indebted, and, and we had the IMF. Bond buying couldn't be done uh, because the rates uh, were prohibitive. But um, an interesting uh, development on bond auctions in relation to the Irish economy during the week. Tell us about that.
2: Yes, yeah, so Ireland actually cancelled one of its bond sales that was scheduled uh, for June. And that, that's because they said the strong fiscal performance so far this year and lower exchequer borrowing estimates um, basically mean they just don't need to borrow that much money. Um, and I, other people have come out afterwards and said, yes, you know, it does seem like they only need to fund the absolute lower end of their planned borrowing requirements for the year. And, uh, you know, they might not need to access the bond market until um, the autumn.
0: Mm, and God knows what kind of a, an international environment we'll we'll face in the autumn. One of the things that came in uh, in the wake of the economic crash, which I discussed earlier, was a cap on bankers' pay. Evidence that this is is um, holding back um, or or leading to a retention problem, and and a very clear demonstration of that in Bank of Ireland. Yes. Yeah, so um, its CEO,
2: Francesca McDonald, she resigned. Um, and she's been very vocally um, you know, opposed to the cap on bankers' pay. Now, it's important to note that she actually was exempt from that cap. Uh, she sort of took over from a predecessor who was still there from before the cap was introduced. But, you know, she was speaking on behalf of the general inability to retain talent. Um, AIB has since spoken about, about it too. And actually, the IMF. In their most recent report, um, sort of warned the Irish banking sector that it did need to um, heal the scars of the um, financial crisis, and it did mention that you know the need to retain retain talent.
0: Mm. Bit of irony there, really. The IMF, uh, who who imposed austerity on Ireland as part of the <laughs> of the rescue for the mm-hmm. country, going back ten or twelve years, uh, kind of pointing out that maybe five hundred thousand isn't enough for an executive.
2: Yes, it is um, a bit of a change, change around that. But I suppose, you know, looking at the, the, um, the, the reserves of the, you know, Irish banking system and, and the government now, you know, we are in a very different place.
0: Mm. Um, we, we've talked a lot on this program about international supply chain uh, issues and uh, shortages of goods and um, there's been something of a, of a shortage in the US on baby formula um, is that a harbinger of things to come uh, for the international food market do you think
2: well certainly inflation is going to be impacting the international food market and there are a lot of you know potential shortages as we've seen you know commodities um roiled by the conflicts in ukraine there's certain commodities um you know certain oils that are very difficult to get from elsewhere um and you know there's just also you know economic um supply chain disruption um globally um you know compounded with growing you know financial pressures um i think you know we are going to see some changes but i'm not um able to fully predict what exactly the situation is going to be yeah i've I've thrown a few
0: impossible questions at you today such as judging what's going to happen with the northern ireland uh, (laughs) political parties and international um uh supply chains nobody really knows the answers to any of those questions we're in a very uncertain time
2: yeah, and i think i'll see anything
0: we can be certain about to be honest right yeah. now now um i, I was looking at uh, bloomberg's new uh, website earlier on and i saw it's it's where indeed i saw that um old uh, elon musk has put his uh, purchase of twitter on hold but a, a a significant investment and another exciting development for bloomberg uh, tell us a bit about your own uh, company and business and how, how it's growing and expanding
2: uh, yes, so we've launched um, a specific website for the UK. We've always covered the UK. We have, you know, a, a large um, presence here, but it's um, a sort of landing page for all of our UK content, um, analysis, um, economics, opinion, and, and um, yeah, it's a very exciting development. And we are, I believe, you know, expanding our coverage, um, and it's just a way to sort of showcase it, particularly, you know, covering Brexit, where it's very important and a lot of interest.
0: Mm, And the markets move very quickly and news and information uh, is a key to uh, good decisions and that's uh, central to Bloomberg.
2: Yes, it is. I think, um, you know, particularly in the current global climate, um, you know, media is very important, um, but it's also really important to have impartial media. Um, which is accurate and um, to help people make the right decisions. Mm,
0: absolutely. Well, pleasure as always talking to you Morwenna and thanks for joining us this morning on The Bottom Line.
2: Thank you so much, John. Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. Casey, Lauren
0: Deed, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. It's coming up to 22 minutes past uh, nine o'clock. We're with you until ten. Now, there is no end to the interesting business stories out there. And this week, thanks to this programme, I was delighted to have the opportunity to learn about Dakota Irish. Now, it's a company founded by North Dakota native and Irish-based Luke McIntosh, and it grew out of his passion for the fantasy game Dungeons & Dragons. Now, during the week, I was delighted to get a chance to sit down with Luke, and I started by asking him to tell us his story before he decided to start Dakota
3: Irish. So, I was working, you know, standard kind of corporate job 25 years in corporate and IT and operations, things like that. So, I spent a lot like 25 years in doing that. I was working for a major US company um, over here, uh, based in Ireland. Based, yeah, I was based in Ireland. I was kind of their Irish um, contact, their Irish senior manager and um, yeah i was do, hold or managing major contracts for them and and helping them just kind of grow their um, irish NMEA uh, base hmm. so. but all the while you had a passion that was consuming a lot of your interest. Tell us about that. Yeah, I had, when I was younger, I got into role-playing games and, you know, my friends kind of got me into doing, uh, we started off with a game called Role Master, funny enough, and uh, a few other ones, and we gamed and we enjoyed it. Role-playing is a really immersive and fun thing you do as a group, you know what I mean? It's a lot like, it's acting, basically, and, and you have a bit of crack, you know, shared storytelling. Um, I've always said that I felt like it had a really good home in Ireland because, you know, when you're in the pub and you're all talking about, how do you I remember when that happened and billy was doing that and joe was doing that you know it's it's very similar to that you know and then there's one fella there who's like he's the expert he knows he's like no 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 lads now <laughs> you know <laughs> so um I, I was doing that when i was younger and then you know life as life happens i i ended up falling out of it for a long time and then uh yeah while i was working for that big company uh I uh, got back into it again and I started to really realise how much I missed it and how much I enjoyed it and yeah, it became a, a, a passion again.
0: And there's a particular game, um, I'd heard it before, but you've really opened my eyes to another world, Dungeons & Dragons.
3: Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so Dungeons & Dragons is, it's been around since the 70s, it was started by a guy named Gary Gygax, and there's another fellow as well, apologies, I can't remember his name, um, who, who started off in uh, the States and uh, it was very popular for a while, especially into the 80s and then there's something we call kind of the satanic panic, where uh, Christian groups kind of started to say that it was associated with the devil and all this kind of crazy things. And, of course, then the parents were like, oh, well, you know, so it kind of died down a bit. But a lot of lads, especially my age, and in, in the 90s, it kind of people started to pick it up again, and they started to play it again. And then, um, yeah, it kind of eventually got even, it, it just kind of built, it's been building again over the last, say, 20 years until there maybe five, ten years ago, it just kind of exploded onto the scene with things like Critical, and um, um, lots of different uh, dungeons, or I'm trying to think of the other one, Romance of the Dungeons is an Irish one, Homebrews, is an Irish one, I'm giving shouts out to the lads now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's different kind of shows where they were playing d online, and people got to watch it, and suddenly people realized, gee, this is great fun. So,
0: And have you any idea of the number of people involved in, in this gaming subculture, I suppose? How many people around the world would be playing
3: Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, millions. Yeah, so the they've never actually. I went looking for it. Trust me, <laughs> they never actually figured out exactly how many players. But I think Wizards of the Coast, which is the publishers of um, Dungeons and Dragons, I think they estimated in the worldwide was it, it was was it a worldwide was something like ten million or hundred million is huge million ten there. or a hundred well yeah, i know a let's big, split big the difference, difference. <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember i was like there's a zero in there somewhere but um there was a lot it was more than you would have probably thought basically. yeah um but, so yeah.
0: so you're living over here you had this quite high-powered corporate lifestyle but this is your your big passion and then you parlayed it into a business tell us about how you took the plunge and and what the business
3: started to do yeah so i kind of i was getting to the point where i was realizing I was unhappy in corporate role. Um, I'd been doing it actually since I was 16. If you can believe it, I was in corporate since was 16, which is a very American way of doing it. I'm from the States, obviously. So, um, yeah, uh, and it had been a long time, and I kind of realized this isn't really what I want to be doing, and I think God was made redundant. That's probably not a phrase you'd hear very often. Yeah. Um, but I was made redundant, and so I kind of, we were comfortable, and I had free time, and I kind of did a bit of soul searching. I thought, Do you know what, I really want to take... My destiny, you know my my our future, my family's future in our own hands, and try to do something that I was passionate about and I felt gave back to the world in some way and um you know, I saw these companies that were kind of as d and d was starting to get back popular again they were you know companies were coming into filling gaps, things like you know making dice or making things like dice trays which are are trays that you use to roll dice into know, instead of them rolling around the table, you have them in a tray. So, so
0: basically just to explain to people who may not be familiar with it, mm-hmm. you have a board, mm-hmm. you have dice that you throw, and they determine how far you
3: move your characters, is that it? No, actually, the way it works is, that would be board gaming, which right. um, these trays can be used for as well, but actually, it's a lot of it in the mind. Now, they can have maps, like I was showing you earlier, yeah. the, uh, the miniatures we have, so they can play with maps and have miniatures and show battles that happen on these mats, right? But a lot of role-playing happens in the head, in right. what we call the theatre of the mind. Okay, we not um, use that in radio as well, yeah. Mm, mm. So, um, it, it, a lot of it happens there, and so you're telling a story verbally, um, you might have, and this is what we're kind of getting into now with d d as we progress, is you're starting to see people using effects, like I was showing you there, we sell these candles, so you might you know, have Burn a candle, candle. and have a particular smell, and it gives the the that vibe off while you're playing. So you, you you but you but dice is the critical part because that's how you determine chance in the game. You know, hey, I go up to strike the goblin with my sword. Well, do you succeed? I don't know. Roll the dice. And so the dice tray kind of contains the dice so it doesn't roll so over. So it's not kind of rolling under the couch or exactly. across the room. And room. You, you know, when you're playing, you might have say I don't know six to eight people, and they're all rolling. So, you know what I mean? You want to make sure that you kind of get a space (laughs) your dice are contained to, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, you said you were started with dice tray and you've got a very uh, nice and tastefully designed and crafted dice tray. Um, Where did you take it from there? Because I know that the company has really grown legs, not to, to coin a phrase or... Hmm. use a pun or anything but how did you bring it from the idea to where you are today i suppose
3: i've been spent so long in business i kind of had an idea generally that you know it's hard to uh, these are all handcrafted wooden items they take a long time to make and so they're expensive um you know like the the less expensive one we have the least expensive one we have is about 100 110 euro on up to this holly tray which is not on the market yet, but it's probably going to be two fifty, three hundred because wow. of, they're so rare and and like Holly. That's using Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah, because you can't make. I mean, it's very, very difficult to get Holly anyway. That's that's uh, that you can make yeah. this stuff out of. So. Um, uh, but I knew that those were quite high price points for people to kind of get into, and they don't know you and that sort of thing. So I said, well, I want a lower price point to kind of help people get engaged with the brand. And I always love Dice. Dice is a really critical thing as part of the game. And so I said, well, I'll start carrying Dice and start selling Dice and see so that to another. And now we're pretty much known as we're starting to build out and become known as a D&D company, which is the point. But we've really gained the name in the industry as being a Dice company
0: wow yeah and so you know people who may not be familiar with D and D dungeons and dragons are probably saying this must be niche 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 mm. but this isn't a bedroom business this no. is you've now expanded tell us at the real world kind of lengths that you've had to go to or not had to go to but that you have gone to and it's providing employment
3: yeah so um you I know, like most small businesses started off in the, the, the office in the garage and kind of built from there but um, we, uh, we have two locations now actually um, one in Greg Namana and one in Kilkenny and Purcell's Inch there um, and we employ about seven people So, um, and that's just in the last, I only started the business uh, July 2017 as a sole trader, and we only incorporated in 2020. Hmm. So, uh, we really started to grow since 2020, as we, as we, as I was saying to you before, um, you know, we grew by like seven times from 2019 to 2020, It just absolutely just skyrocketed, you know. So, um, at the end of 2020, we were like, well, we really need to, I need help. I was doing this a lot of times on my own, you know, pulling in my kids and my wife and family members being like, can you guys help me? Jack dyson because we ship globally. Mm. So and uh, the
0: global market is really where it's at for you guys. Yeah, quite niche really in Ireland. I think about
3: 5% of your turnover coming from Ireland. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's funny because I uh, it is niche if you compare it to things like sports and stuff. Um but uh yeah about 5% of our sales go to Ireland another maybe 20% to the UK and then 50 to 60% to the US and north uh Canadian market the north american market mm. um and then yeah we sh- we ship everywhere mm. europe is a big market as well tell us um but you started off with dice um
0: i know from our chat before we came on air that that you have a you know it, there's a world of dice it's not just yeah a, just a one size fits mm. all mm. you've got the dice trays i've even got uh, before me an edible product uh, honey, yeah. honey badger uh games yeah. yeah yeah tell tell us about the the expansion
3: of the different products that you're doing and and how how big can it get massive so well uh, my big ethos with this company was that it's that we want to sell top tier quality goods um, because you could get a lot of really poor quality goods in this. Um, And so that was kind of my thing was that we were only selling the best of the best and we were selling at prices that people could afford. And as we kind of moved into that, I realized... There's things like... You can get metal dice, gemstone dice, wooden dice, and wooden and gemstone dice are all handmade. You can get polymer dice, uh, which I showed you there as well. All sorts of gummy edible dice. um, And there's a huge, huge market out there. And the thing is, is that when people play this game, they love dice. They have a different dice set for each character. or They might have a different dice set for each game they play or different dice set for everything, you know. So people love collecting the dice and having the dice there. So there's a a huge market for that. And, um... And yeah, there's huge variety uh, all over the place. We keep innovating as we go along and making our own sets. And and in a
0: a, a zone or a business segment which it, the the driving motivation is
3: theater of the mind, presumably, the only barrier is is your your own imagination. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. It's you can play anything you want to from you know. Literally Dungeons and Dragons up to Space Marines up anything that you want. The systems can be acclimatized to it, yeah. um, and sometimes there's specific systems for it. Like there's there's Star Trek systems, Star Wars systems. There's <laughs> name it Warhammer. A lot of people actually in Ireland who are into the hobby industry like this. They play Warhammer and they play these are these are highly miniaturized battles and stuff. Any idea of the size of the market in Ireland? No, again, it's hard to tell. See, unfortunately, and this. is... Something I was talking about earlier, the the industry isn't that well-known, and it's quite hard to get... been hard to get any kind of information about it Um, so the uh, worldwide we figure it's worth about 4 billion yeah wow talk to me a bit about the whole
0: thing of turning your passion and you're obviously very passionate about it into a business does that blur the passion a bit and how do you maintain it because you do have employees now and you have Mm. two different premises Mm. you have to juggle the electricity bills and supply lines (laughs) and cash flows and sorry
3: (laughs) (laughs) sorry Luke oh god I'm getting getting overwhelmed now (laughs) (laughs) but that is the truth isn't it talk to me a bit about that so, uh, I, it feels quite natural, really. I was saying, you were asking me earlier there, and I, and I was kind of saying, it's hard to, it's not hard to maintain the passion. It's hard to... um kind of get time for it as you were saying to be able to do it but even like today I'm going to be playing I've I've got a game my home game is what we call it that's the kind of the game you always make I have my home game this evening Um, so we always try to make time for it you know what I mean and and to enjoy it and and spend time with friends because that's really what it's about John it's about spending time with the people that you care about in your life your friends your family your you know that's what it's about spending time with them not being on the computer screen not being on the tablet or the device you're there in person talking to each other having the crack yeah uh, yeah, it's fantastic
0: um, where to like you incorporated in 2020 you've mm-hmm. had pretty much what we'd call exponential growth really I suppose mm-hmm. where, where do you see yourself in the you know the dreaded five year
3: horizon and so on yeah we're actually going to if uh, my wife's going to kill me for saying that she's a, our director yeah. <laughs> one of the directors but we're going to put on a, um, a a party I think for our five year and really kind of celebrate and stuff and, and, and market um, but uh, where I see us in after that is yeah we're, we're going we're 40% up this year which is brilliant news hopefully may, long may that continue and grow so on, onwards and upwards so at the moment the other thing I'm looking at is also trying to set up a premise over in the US and trying to kind of expand out to there and I'm working with the LEO and um, who've been brilliant by the way I can't um, say enough how amazing the LEO have been helping us out and everything but one thing that we've struggle with I think and and this is something I think is small businesses is something Ireland doesn't do well it does a lot of things really well for small businesses but we don't support them on the export market as much as maybe we, we could when they're smaller um, and I think that's now in a market where we have a very online industry I know we're, we're all starting trying to try move back to to in person but it's still there and I think that that encourages a lot of people to start small businesses and be able to export and grow out and get to to a global economy but I, I think we could you know we could definitely do better with that but I will say one thing it is this country is an amazing place to start up an online business bar none
0: well, that's fantastic mm. to hear, uh, Luke. And tell us, I ask everybody, but I think people, when they look at your website, they'll see a whole new world and and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and see stuff. Uh, Dice will be the same for them again. Yes. Tell us a bit about your
3: website. Yeah, the website. <laughs> it's kind of the front-facing for the entire operation really, so um, it kind of needs to look good. We're always trying to to make it look well and that people enjoy it. We've, we've always had really good feedback on it, but there's a lot there. There's Dice, there's the, the handcrafted stuff, there's a lot to look at and it's not just for people who are into dice uh, we have a lot of things like these figurines from Nemesis now that we're doing that are really cool the candles things like that so it's all available there on the website com, and um, you can read about us a little bit you can see who's working there. you can see my dog Whiskey he's a huge part of the, the entire operation Whiskey is a uh, know with an E now with an E in fairness check out your bona fides Luke no I have to have the E now in fairness John yeah, 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 okay. Well, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, no, that's, that's the, the, the website is a, is a big thing for us, so we, we try to make it look pretty. Well,
0: look, Luke, pleasure uh, talking to you, and best of luck to Dakota Irish, a proud local company with a uh, global Very ambition, so. and uh, run by Luke McIntosh, a native of Dakota. North Dakota, yes. North Dakota, <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. My mm-hmm.
3: wife made the name, though, it's the same idea. Yeah, absolutely, well, <laughs> big shout great.
0: out to your beloved wife, and all, all the people involved in Dakota Irish, pleasure talking to you, we you. look forward over to keeping up with you in the coming years thank you very much thanks john the
4: bottom line on kclr with john purcell brought to you with thanks to o'neill foley accountants now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business
1: www.omf.ie
0: joined on the line by brian o'farrell chief executive of county Carlisle chamber good morning brian
5: Good morning, John. Yeah,
0: lots of uh, great local businesses. Uh, Luke uh, McIntosh there, that's a really good story and, and just shows you how passion can be turned into a great business.
5: No, definitely. And, um, you know, it is great to hear the stories because it's so, it's so often we drive past businesses or we meet them on the road and we think we know what they're about. But in reality, you know, to get that insight is great. Mm. I'd, uh, you know, I would know Dakota Irish because I live down in Boris myself, and you'd often see Luke driving around. You've got the logos well placed on the van, and you've got the base over in uh, Gregory Manor there as well. so Yeah, doing um, a lot of business here.
0: around the world from a local base.
5: Um, and, and, and you know what? Um, I was only talking about over the last few days the amount of small businesses that are hidden in places like Boris and South Carlow and South Kenny and mm. around our two counties that have such a global reach. And half the time we don't know about them because they don't sell. Maybe on the high street, or they don't yeah. sell products and services locally.
0: Well, we're hopefully helping spread the word uh, here around Carlo, Kilkenny, and, and indeed to our listeners around the world. But you were spreading the word over in uh, Liverpool uh, recently. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, so we, uh, we've just come back. We were over um, in Liverpool. It was a program in conjunction with uh, Carlo, local enterprise office as well. Um, and we brought six companies over as part of a trade mission. Um, so, in total, um, there was over 40 bespoke meetings held over three days while we while we were there. A lot
0: of meetings. Um, was that in person or on Zoom?
5: And it was all in person. Wow, 40. Um, it, see, it's, it, it's, like, it's like this, John, I suppose. Yeah, we've learned a lot with Zoom and Teams and that over the last number of years. But if we want to help these companies to get out into the export markets, well, this is the best way to do it. And, you know, for example... The likes of Joe Brown were with us, or Cunningham Engineering. So the meetings were specific to them. So there were potential target clients for them, and customers for them. Mm. And the, the other important thing is, if you did it on Zoom, you know you could be talking to John Purcell, who's got a lovely background behind him, that you don't know much. And you, you're over there, and you want to protect your brand. You you need to protect where it's going in that as well. So yeah. he, it's better to meet with them in person, so you can get a better understanding for them. Yeah, a lot of also, talk
0: about business permanently moving online, but I think the consensus is you need to look into people, people in the eyes now and again exactly to kind of.
5: It's more of a partnership you you want to create with all of your customers, and and that's a key to helping to grow your business because you know what, if you're trusting somebody to sell your product, you know you want to make sure that they're going to respect the ethos and the values of your brand as well.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and as well as that Carlo Chamber doing very well in terms of uh, nominations yourselves of course uh, Carlo Chamber the, the, the blue ribboned event on the business calendar are the business awards but you're up for, for a couple of gongs yourselves
5: yeah we, we, uh, we're delighted to be shortlisted for three different awards um, our own business awards were shorted uh, for event of the year of course uh, you, you, you know uh, led by yourself Ben Emer and Brian Last November, we held the awards in three venues simultaneously on one night. So we're delighted with that one because it was an, it was an amazing event and you know there was uh, so many different people involved in pulling it off. Uh, we've also been shortlisted for our Carlo Elves Shopping Support Local program and also uh, Love Carlo, the digital hub, the Love Carlo website. So that program was um, up as well in awards. So, looking forward to that, so we'll, we'll know where we stand with those. Uh, the awards there on the 2nd of June. So, that should be a good uh, night to see how things go on there.
0: Pleasure talking to you, Brian. Uh, just finally, before we uh, sign off, you have got, uh, talking about looking at people in the eyes, you've got another networking and pitch event coming up shortly. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, so this Thursday, actually, 6.30pm in Canada's Credit Union in Bagmanstown, we've got our pitch and networking event. And it is it's a great way for people to uh, learn about businesses. So if anybody wants to come, uh, pop on to our own website, carolachamber.com, and you can register. There's no charge for registering and attending. So we have a range of businesses there, and they give you a bit more insight into who they are, what they are, why they do it, and of course, the most um, uh, very important aspect, how they could potentially help you as well. Um, so uh, looking forward to that because I know it's a format we've watched for uh, quite a while now, and it works really well. Um, you know, and to give people that deeper insight into the businesses that are okay. your neighbours and your friends and your absolutely.
0: Community. Well, look, Brian, pleasure as always talking to you, and uh, hopefully see you at that event coming up. That's uh, Brian O'Farrell, Chief Executive of uh, Carlo Chamber of Commerce thanks john okay good morning now we're going to move on now and talk about the new frontiers uh program in uh the new technological university of the southeast and i'm joined on the line by Gemma purcell who's enterprise development manager at the southeast technological university and also amory maxorley who's founder and ceo of Very connect good morning to you both
1: Good
0: morning, John. John. Uh, Well, look, can I start with you, Gemma? Uh, This New Frontiers programme, it's all about identifying people who've got good business ideas and scalable ideas, and you've really got a very attractive package to help them grow their businesses. Tell us about that.
1: Absolutely, John. Um, It's a fantastic programme. Um, New Frontiers is an entrepreneurship development programme. It's funded by Enterprise Ireland across 17 different institutes and universities, in, across the country, but here at SCTU Carlo, we are currently recruiting for our Phase 2 of the New Frontiers programme. And uh, so we're looking for eligible entrepreneurs who have new, innovative ideas uh, with potential to scale. And really, I suppose, it's for the Southeast region, so we're very much about, it's a regional entrepreneurship programme, John. So we're looking for entrepreneurs, like Kenny, Watford and Wexford and Carlow region. Um, go through the support package and what's available. Well we'll
0: hang on a job. second. We've got also on yeah. the line Anne Marie McSorley. Uh, Anne Marie, good morning to you. You're founder and CEO of Vernect. Mm-hmm. And um New Frontiers played a big part in, in getting you off the ground, so to speak. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, um Gemma and, and the team before her um were great for us. Um I suppose we set up in twenty sixteen and Um, I was uh, running a training business um, for the previous five years, and before that I had all delivered big programs out. I worked in the public sector, and um, I knew that there was an awful problem around the paperwork and the compliance that everybody had for any of these funded programs. So um, I had developed a small little beta product for my own company for projects we were working on at the last recession, actually. For people that were unemployed, and I went down uh, to phase one of New Frontiers, and they, um, they liked my idea. I liked the, I liked the, the format of it, um, and I bid for this, the 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 second phase, and we were successful. And that was just me and one programmer. Actually, at the time, I didn't even have a program. I won fifty old competition out of New Frontiers, and then program and there's 20 of us today and uh, five years later in Cairns College so they were at the beginning.
0: Yeah and I was looking at your website, I really a uh, 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 promise that you've got to potential clients, reduce your costs and increase your revenue, that really caught my eye and also a quote that you've got by uh, management guru Peter Drucker, if you want something new you have to stop doing something old. Talk to us a bit about those two kind of statements they're really strong and say a lot really about business.
4: Yeah, I think um, a lot of people before COVID did paperwork because they always did it the way they always did it. It wasn't broken. Why would you invest? You know, Why would you spend money on changing things? Because sure, it's not broke. Even if it takes us 10 times the length and it's not half as good. But we had a huge boost during COVID because people weren't able to get that paper moving around places. And, and then the value of the information that that paper gathers and it's mandatory because there's funding coming from the government or your tax money or whatever to to pay for these programs so there is mandatory you know governance of it but it is so much more valuable in data rather than when it's in paper Mm -hmm. because in data you can understand if you spend half a million on a program and after the first three months it's not working out you can change it whereas if it's paper somebody looks at it Two years later, and says, "Oh, that wasn't that wasn't a great spender of our money." <laughs> you know, so
0: bit too it, late. Three years later.
4: Absolutely, and uh, you know, there's there's way too much of that. So it's it's really about having overview and governance and real-time information on improvement.
2: Yeah,
0: well look uh, you're listening to the Bottom Line, the programme Foreign About Business, I'm joined on the line by Gemma Purcell, Enterprise Development Manager at Southeast Technological University and I'm marie McSorley, founder and CEO of Very, we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to be back and we're going to talk about the package of measures uh, that the uh, New Frontiers programme can offer your business or your business idea or you personally if you've got a high potential business and something that's scalable. Stay tuned.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR
1: with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.
0: Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Casey, Lauren D. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. We're talking about the New Frontiers programme, which is a really valuable uh, programme run by the Southeast Technological University and which has put many uh, entrepreneurs through its hands over the years, if that's the right way of putting it. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Gemma Purcell and Anne-Marie MacSorley. Uh, Gemma, uh, we were talking before break to Anne-Marie there about the help, the time, the space and the support that she found in the programme. Just talk us through uh, the past Package of supports um, that you provide yes. to people on the course.
1: Absolutely, um, so currently uh, we're recruiting for our Phase 2, and Phase 2 is a full-time um, six-month intensive programme, and the support package, inclu- it's valued at €30,000. That includes a €15,000 tax-free stipend with no equity take in your business, which is a really um, key benefit. That's an
0: important package. one, isn't it, because lots of time, uh, yep. you know, support is contingent on giving up some stock.
1: Absolutely, so um, as I said, this is an Enterprise Ireland programme, so they're very much about helping entrepreneurs um, to accelerate their businesses, as I said, no to take taken, so helping them really get a good foot on the ladder of success. Um, part of the programme, they're offered uh, personalised one-to-one mentoring from the Enterprise Ireland Mentor Network, so again, that's really good one-to-one support from really um, so with mentors with expertise in their areas are also offered a free co-working space at the Eric Centre here at, at SCTU Carlo. So the Eric Centre is going to be based, and um, it's the Enterprise Research and Incubation Centre here at Carlo. And we'll also run a program of intensive workshops and masterclasses. And really, over that time, John, we're trying to get um, these entrepreneurs to test and to validate their idea and the market proposition to really um, develop a strong business plan. So the end of six months.
0: So if people have an idea, they should get in touch because the closing date is looming.
1: Absolutely. So the closing date is 1st of June. Hmm. And um, really what we say is contact us and I can give you the details um, if you want to know. Um, Very briefly,
0: yeah, do that. I want to get yeah. back to Anne-Marie. Uh, just give us yeah. your contact details.
1: So if you can um, email us at info at eric-network.ie or visit the eric.network.ie website and you'll find out more information.
0: But Eric, said, it's very that's very the useful. Enterprise Research Incubation Centre and that's at the Southeast yes. Technological University. A good Google search should get people yes. to that. Anyway, Anne-Marie, uh, you tart. it was helpful in setting frontiers, but you've gone beyond the startup phase, 20 people now employed. What are your next uh, frontiers for Vary? Uh, we actually have Enterprise Ireland
4: continuing to help us are coming down actually next week and... Um, we, we do a lot of um, multi-regional programs, you know, anything that um, uh, at the moment we do, a fantastic biodiversity program across four regions called Wild Work, and you know, helping people make change and sustainability is very important for our business. Um, but we're moving into um, Peace and Reconciliation, with the new phase of coming into Northern Ireland. So we're actually just building a, a UK website at the moment to, to focus on that for next year because there's over 1 billion euros worth of programmes going to be
0: delivered well that should keep you going anyway for a while judging by the way they're shaping up on the protocol (laughs)
4: <laughs> Don't talk to me. I hope that they keep the thing going, but they're separate. Thanks, thanks <laughs> to you, Keep You're separate to the Assembly. So I, I think let's not
0: talk politics. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We'll keep that out of this. Well, look, pleasure talking to you all. Uh, that's uh, Anne Marie Maxorley, founder and CEO of Very Connect, and also Gemma Purcell, uh, no relation. Uh, she's Enterprise Development Manager <laughs> at Southeast Technological University. Thanks to you both. I look that's yeah. all we've got time for this morning on the bottom line remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us you can email us at the bottom line at KCLR 96 fmcom or you can listen back to us on podcast all the usual places just maybe doing a google search thanks to all our guests this week Marwena Cunningham uh, uh, Luke McIntosh, Brian O'Farrell Gemma Purcell and Anne-Marie McSorley thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks most all to you for listening we'll be back next Saturday just after the news at nine coming up Edward Hayden will be taking you through until 12 o'clock and we're with you all day every day with music news sport information and chat and loads of sport this weekend hurling camogie and lots more good stuff so stay tuned to KCLR but until we speak again for me John Purcell take care take it easy and keep the faith.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell.
1: Brought to you in association with the Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.